Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Business Book Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Lewis, and it's my pleasure to have as a guest today, David Hancock. Uh, David is a publisher of, uh, excuse me, not just a publisher, he's the founder of the publisher, Morgan James Publishing. Um, also, if you've done anything in small business uh, marketing or even uh, in book marketing, uh, you've come across Guerrilla Marketing. He's the chairman of Guerrilla Marketing International. Not only is he a publisher, he's co-authored 12 books of his own, including uh, Performance Driven Thinking that we were just talking about uh, before we got on uh, the, the call, Then, um, as well as the entrepreneurial author. Um, this blew my mind. NASDAQ, the NASDAQ, cited David as one of the world's most prestigious business leaders, and uh, he's reported to be the future of, of publishing. As the founder of Morgan James, uh, he's named a finalist in the Best Chairman category in the American Business Awards, um, held uh, by the New York Post as the Business World's own Oscars. And he was also selected uh, for Fast Company's Fast 50 for uh, his leadership um, in the publishing industry over, uh, over a decade. He also serves as the president of the executive board for Habitat for Humanity Peninsula in Greater Williamsburg. And uh, he's on the chairman of the board for the National Center for the Prevention of Community Violence. And if uh, all of that weren't enough, uh, Publishers Weekly also named Morgan James Publishing as one of the fastest growing small press lists for uh, for five years. Um, David, that is that's quite uh, that's quite <laughs> that's a, few, a quite a yeah that's a lot of work in just a, a few years. You've been busy. Oh my gosh, we've had so much fun. I, I appreciate you sharing that with everybody, but uh, I'm humbled, but uh, it really has been a lot of fun. I tell you what, that NASDAQ thing was a lot of fun. That was actually 2008, um, so we were still wet behind the years. We we were founded in 2003, and by 2008, we were starting to figure out who we were you know, as a publisher, but uh, uh, they actually caught, um, or we caught their eye because of our, our giving back. We we're a Habitat for Humanity building partner, which literally just means that we love to raise um, awareness. We donate funds to Habitat. We donate a library of books to the new homeowners. We just we do it because we think it's a great give back. But it's really been a, a great benefit for us too to be able to share that with, you know, um, those in our circles. But they we we caught their eye because of that. They invited us to go out there to New York City and uh, ring the opening bell on December I think 18th, 2008. It was so much fun. Oh, fun. <laughs> had, had had some time to spend with them. It was amazing. That's <laughs> too cool. Yeah, Habitat yeah, right. for Humanity, man. They're, they're a great, a great organization. I um, I, I haven't had the the opportunity to uh, to do a project with them uh, directly, but uh, I've worked with a lot of people who have, and I've never heard anything but uh, but the the best of praise for uh, Habitat for Humanity's management as well as their their volunteers. It's a it's a really well put together um, oh, yeah. program. Yeah, I agree. I was a, um, uh, I won't, I won't go back too far. Maybe I won't go back to birth. How's that? But for me, I was a, <laughs> I was a, a home builder in the nineties and, and built homes. I was always I'm a huge fan of home ownership. I bought my first house when I was 19. Uh, but then after I was a builder, I became a banker. I was a mortgage banker for, for years. And that's where I actually wrote my first book, which you know, part of my story is I ended up um, writing a book just to gain some extra edge in competitive, competitive, is that a word? To be competitive, because I was <laughs> competing with a thousand people just like me offering basically the same product and service as everybody else. They all had different names, but basically they're all regulated products. So I had to figure out what could I do to stand out and stay on top. 
And um, it wasn't until I discovered a book called Guerrilla Marketing, <laughs> there's the beginning of that story, uh, that I realized that I had to do things unconventionally. I had to do things with using my time, my energy, and my imagination instead of the bank account. Now, generally, that's for people who doesn't who don't have access to funds for marketing or or don't have the extra money to spend and, and be creative with marketing or advertising even though as a as one of the you know the, the banks that i worked for we, we basically had an unlimited ad budget i could spend a hundred thousand dollars a month in marketing and advertising if i wanted to but so did all my competition so it just didn't work <laughs> so i had to figure out ways to stand out and, and hired jay levinson as a coach and the first thing he said that I needed to do was, well, second thing, he said, I need to keep doing what I'm doing because it was working. But he said, then you need to add a book. <laughs> so I end up, uh, after struggling with like the whole concept of who in the world would want to listen to me, I ended up writing a book. And it doubled my income as a banker. Just that whole perception of me being the authority and being the only one yeah. in my space that had written a book on the topic. You know, the media called me on a regular basis. The competition looked at me and couldn't figure it out, and all the clients were calling me. It's <laughs> all because of that crazy business book. <laughs> I still don't think that, that so many potential business authors or would-be business authors understand just how powerful of a, of a tool uh, a business book can, can be. So, you know, they, they talk of, or they discount, you know, their knowledge. Well, and like you said, there's a thousand other people offering the – the same thing uh, that that you do, and from the outside looking in, it's a commodity. So how you know how, how do you how do you stand out? Uh, but from the inside, from you know being standing in the uh, the expert shoes looking out, oh everybody knows the same thing I do. There's nothing new or there's nothing different about the way I do things. But it doesn't matter. Having a, having that book helps. You differentiate. You helps you stand apart from from the crowd. Just the fact that you wrote a, a book, and much less whenever they get into it and they realize that, uh, well, all the things that that go into uh, um, that go into a, a book. But, fact, uh, the, I, I don't. Go ahead. I was just going to say the three things that Jay used to compel me were were very simple. Uh, the first thing he said, he said, David, if, and then of course, all of us entrepreneurs and small business people out there need to pay attention to this because it's important. He said, if, eh, he said, if you wanted to charge more and negotiate less, he said, you got to keep doing what you're doing because it's working. It basically continued to hustle, uh, but you needed to add the one more thing. And that one more thing ended up being the book, you know, that extra edge and credibility that made people recognize that you are the authority. You're the leader in the space because you wrote the book on it. And then people right. won't negotiate with you quite as much. For me, I, I literally just doubled all my fees, and, and nobody asked for a discount anymore. It was amazing. And then he went on to say, he said, to David, if you wanted to have those people that would never give you the time of day, those clients that you wish you could work with, he said, if you wanted those people to start banging on your door and begging you to take their business, you've got to keep doing what you're doing, uh, but need to add the one more thing. And again, the, the, the same concept was the book. And sure enough, you know, in the sea of people offering the same services as I was, or maybe just like your audience was, the one thing that stood everybody or stood me out over everybody else was I was the authority. I was the one that they could trust that, that I knew what I was doing. Now, I didn't necessarily know more than my competition. I was just perceived at this point now as an author to know more than my competition. And then the last thing, which really I didn't really expect, but it was very significant, uh, and it helped with the first two things. He said, David, if you wanted to have the media call you <laughs> when something happened in the space, you've got to keep doing what you're doing because it's working. 
but he said that once you add the book, you know, they'll they'll need and want a local go-to person to air on their radio shows versus the the bobblehead that they get from their corporate offices and you know whatnot. And sure enough, and as soon as I wrote the book and and started to leverage the fact that I was the author of and the authority of and did a couple of press releases and you know the media was calling me on a regular basis. I was on the radio or television um, or in print weekly because something always happened in, in the banking space back then. And it was all because I was on the local Yahoo who had the authority, quote unquote, to talk about it. It was laughable. I mean, it, was, it really was. It was amazing. Um, as you can imagine, I caught the fever for writing books. So <laughs> it gets in your system. But it really, really can work. So even though we, myself included, don't think that I, you know, that don't, I didn't think I had anything good to say. I, heck, I even thought I didn't have enough content to even fill a book. But um, realize that uh, you know, after start just kind of fleshing out a rough outline of if some knucklehead would sit down with me, <laughs> I could share these ten things with them. Uh, and if you hadn't kicked me out yet, maybe I can get twelve out of it. You know, those kind of things. But then realize I. I <laughs> 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 so I thought, you know, maybe I could do that. You know, and I ended up filling up the outline with just a paragraph at a time as I as something happened or as I as I discovered I had some content or, you know poster articles I'd written in the past and ended up putting a book together pretty simple, but it was, uh, that was the easy part, <laughs> but it can work. It really can. So I'm a huge fan of leverage of a book. It's gotta be a good book. Obviously you gotta put your best stuff in the book and uh, the reader needs to benefit from it. But, oh my gosh, um, from an entrepreneurial perspective, the book is the most powerful weapon you can have in your arsenal of things to do to gain market share. It's amazing. You know, there's something um, that you've said um, over and over again. Number one, do it. What you're doing. What I'd I'd like to um, what I'd like to point out is so powerful about that is is that a lot of authors um, they don't have any kind of of marketing platform, and they 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 write the book and then they 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 either get the book published or they they self publish, um, but they they don't really have any idea of of what what to do with it, um, <laughs> right? And I think that that the the fact that you were already doing marketing, um, that the the book is you know was was gasoline you know you're throwing on the on the fire. Now there's plenty of authors that you know start with the book and then they use the book to build their platform, but um, I've always found that it's a lot easier if you start marketing and then you use the the book rather than use the book to um, to, to jumpstart because even after you write the book, you still have to market as, as Jay, you know, kept on telling you do what you're doing right. and have the book. That's right. And it is a funny little catch 22 because the reality is most publishers won't talk to you to have a, until you have a platform that they're jealous of, but then sometimes yeah. nothing can give you the platform that, uh, that you deserve until you have a book. <laughs> uh, but I will say the worst thing you can do as, as an, as an author self publishes authors are, are usually the ones who do this the most Again, I'm a huge fan of self-publishing. I think it's certainly better than doing nothing at all, uh, but just treat it um, with the respect that it deserves. So give an example. The worst thing to do is to today not have a book and be you know, doing the same things you've been doing all along, whatever, whatever that might be. And then tomorrow you announce you have a book in your hand and it's available for sale for 20 bucks by now. That's the worst thing you can do. You want to build the audience up with you down that path to becoming the authority, to becoming that published author. Um, there's a great book that I highly recommend. Many of you probably have already read it, uh, but just as a recap, you definitely should read and start implementing it today, right now, if not yesterday. If you can do it yesterday, that's even best. Uh, but it's a book called Platform by Michael Hyatt. Uh, it's just yeah. a very, you know, you've, yeah, you've heard it. It's a very simple book about 
uh, how to get noticed in a very noisy world. And it talks about things that we're already kind of familiar with, you know, social media, blogging, uh, podcast, things like that. But it just reiterates how important those things are. We take them all for granted or we say, uh, everybody's doing that or I'm not really sure that's working for me. It's the consistency in doing those multiple things uh, at the same time and being consistent with it can make a huge difference in growing your platform. But then you have an audience to kind of test your ideas out, share your ideas out with, but also bring along with you down this path to you rising to that becoming the authority in your space. So as you're starting to blog and share through social media, just about your regular content, uh, the fact that you are knowledgeable in your field, you plant seeds that, hey, then I'm, I'm deciding or thinking about writing a book to help my audience with this, whatever. Um, and then you bring them along the process. I submitted a book proposal. Or I, I drafted an outline and I've got friends looking at it. Or I, you know, it's like I said, submitted it to a, to a publisher. You know, I've got turned down. I've got picked up by a publisher. And then you kind of bring them down this path, no, no matter how many weeks or months it takes. You know, I've got uh, a contract now. I just got accepted by a publisher. I just signed. Oh, it's coming out in the fall. And then share that process with your audience. You know, and still 90% of your communication is about what they're going to get out of knowing you. So you guys still got to educate them, encourage them, inspire them, maybe even entertain them a little bit. And the other 10% is going to be about the book. And then once the book comes out, then you've got an audience that's been vested with you during this process. They'll be more than willing to buy the book, more than willing to share it with you, more than willing to promote it because, you know, you've already earned that right. Um, but um, you bring them through that process so that they you become the authority in their eyes because they're with you or they see it or they can see you, your 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 history in your blog or whatnot. Um, and that helps you really leverage the fact that, yes, you are the authority now. You have the book, and then you can you know sell the book. Although I will say it's really hard to sell a book, and I don't encourage authors to just go peddle books because it's very discouraging and nobody wants to buy your book. But as you continue to coach them that you're the authority <laughs> – Kind of, I kind of sped through that, <laughs> but that's true. <laughs> Nobody wants to buy my book. I compel them why they should. You know why they why they should listen to me. Then then they want to buy the book, <laughs> or then they're compelled that's to buy. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I've never quite heard it like that, but you're right. That's the no, nobody actually wants to to buy a book, and nobody actually wants to to read a, a book. They want a a solution to their problem, and once you give them a compelling reason why your book is the answer to what they're facing, then they have a reason to, to want to read it. Yep. But that's very different than, than, than just someone just wanting to, to buy it. Yeah. And very different from someone just trying to sell a product too. And the reality is um, 70%, this is from Publishers Weekly, 70% of the books, book buyers only read 30% of the book. So you've really got to leverage the fact that you're the authority even before they finish the book or start the book, because that's where it's hanging. Um, just to expect them to read the book and go, oh, he is the authority or she is the authority is not going to happen. You've got to be in that space already and uh, be delivering great content through whatever medium you're using, whether it's speaking or social media or blogging or all the above. The book is just a, a powerful tool. Now, we hope that they finish the book. We hope they read it and they hire you as a speaker or, or buy all your other products. But the reality is uh, you'll make more money because of the book than you ever will from the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I wrote in, in, in my book that uh, authors don't count on their books sell. They count on what their book's selling. That's right. That's tweet. Um, I, I hadn't. Thank you. I hadn't come across that um, that statistic. Uh, Seventy thirty uh, percent of of the readers only read. Excuse me. Seventy percent of the readers only read thirty percent of of the book. Um, I, I intuitively we know that that most people don't finish uh, most of the books that that they pick up. I mean, I you know I'm, I love to to read, and I don't finish most of the books that I pick up. Um, right. 
don't write about most. I don't, I don't finish a lot of them because they're boring or because a better book comes along or because I feel like I've got most, uh, most of the stuff out of it. But, um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you shared that statistic. The, the last, any kind of uh, fact like that, little factoid that I'd come across was Dan Pointer had quoted, but I, he never did say the, uh, the name, the source. I never could trace it down. But he said that uh, in a study that he read or, or a report that he, he saw that most people, the vast majority of, of people, um, only read the first 18 pages of, uh, of a given book. And uh, so you've got to do, uh, you know, a lot of, of work on the, the packaging of, of the book, um, the positioning of the book, the title, and the, the table of contents, and especially that first chapter, because that's where most of your most of your bang is, is going to, to be, because uh, people just aren't going to get to the rest of it. It's disheartening, yeah. um, especially whenever we pour our heart and souls into a book. That's the truth, True. isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also to be careful not to put all your best meat in the introduction because most readers skip the introduction. <laughs> so, uh, I, can, I know, right? <laughs> and I, 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 I'm, this, I'm one of those. I'll, I'll, for whatever reason, I'll skip the introduction. I want to get to the meat. Um, even though a lot of authors put a lot of great meat in the introduction, um, you know, we pray it gets read as an author, but uh, just keep that in mind. You share some great wisdom, open some, um, some concepts, mindset concepts or something in the introduction. Um, you know, things like that, but make sure your meat is discoverable in the table of contents and discoverable in chapter one and beyond, but uh, yeah. don't put it all, all in the introduction. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 in fact, I, I counsel my uh, my authors not to, to do an introduction because it's it's an outdated um, convention. And, and in fact, I've, I've had to argue with a couple of publishers. One of them, <laughs> I won the argument. The other one, I lost the argument. We had to get the author's <laughs> intro in there. But um, they just—that's that's one of my little one of my little pet pet peeves or intros uh-huh. and prefaces and and a forward to the well not forwards because those are usually actually really great um, because they're written by someone else right so it's it's yeah. a different uh, it's a different take on the the author's book and yeah, in fact on a, on a forward uh, side they can be very powerful from a bookstore yeah. buyer and a sales rep perception um, they help. Um, the forward helps gain that additional credibility and recognition to an author right. who's still being discovered. Uh, if the forward's written by somebody that a sales rep or the Barnes and Noble category buyer recognizes, it can make a significant impact on their perception of the book. Right. Uh, the the best forwards are very short, and they're more about the author than they are about the book or the content, or about why the author yeah. is the best person to bring it to the market. And then yeah. preferably somebody that's uh, in that space. But definitely somebody that's got a national recognition. <laughs> and I would I always coach authors is um, you may not feel like you need one or really want one, but um, it's always a good thing to have. And never stop asking because three years from now you might meet somebody that's willing to write a forward for the second edition. So never stop asking for those endorsements or potential forwards from the day you conceive the idea of the book to the day you die, <laughs> <laughs> or, or or until it's no longer relevant to you. One of those things, whichever comes first. <laughs> Well, you know, a book is is like having a, a baby in in many ways, and uh, yep. one of them is that uh, once it's born, it's it's with you for life. <laughs> That's right. And speaking of which, you, um, uh, just like you you as a parent wouldn't 
birth a child and then just ignore it. You know, a lot of authors will, will generate a book or publish a book, then they're tired of it or their their own circle of influence is tired of it. So they just ignore it or, or don't give it the attention. You wouldn't do that to your own child. So you got to treat your book just like a child by nurturing it and raising it and helping it succeed in life after the after it comes out after the pub date <laughs> yeah speaking of of uh, children it took me uh, a little bit of uh of reading to um to figure out why you're the founder of morgan james but your name is david hancock and i finally <laughs> read uh in your bio or somewhere that you've named it after your two sons that's uh that's pretty sweet that's right it, it uh, meant something to me sounded like a real company name and it and definitely, uh, well, I should say, definitely meant something to me. But Morgan is my platinum blonde, blue-eyed baby girl who's now 16. And James is now 18, and he's my little Einstein. He's so, so much smarter than me. Well, so is Morgan. But, uh, um, yeah, it just it sounded like a good name. It, uh, it felt right. <laughs> and I could be proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for and, noticing. Um, oh, well, I mean, I've, I've got uh, – I have a little blonde-haired uh, girl, and then uh, and then a cute little toddling boy. So I, uh, you know, kind of tugged on my heartstrings a little bit here, close to home. Awesome. So let's let's talk about Morgan Morgan James. Let's talk about, um, you know, what, let's let's do this, David. Could you talk to us about your typical author's journey? Now I know that Morgan James does a, a number of different titles and a number of different genres. So let's talk about, um, if you would, your uh, your business authors. So let's talk about your typical business author's journey from whenever you want to to start uh, over their journey, and then how they can uh, how they can come to find Morgan James and how they work with Morgan James, and then all the way to the other side of, like you said, until you know until the day you die. <laughs> so, um, That's right. You know, yeah. Just give us that nice lifelong journey. Oh, cool. So um, you're, you're right. We do publish a number of different genres over, over the last 15 years. We've kind of carved out you know, some really neat things that we're having fun with. All of our books are designed to either educate, encourage, or inspire, and, and maybe even entertain the audience, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but the common core is um, no matter what book they're writing and, and which genre it might go into, our authors tend to be entrepreneurial in nature, and the book is part of something bigger. So even our clean fiction division to our faith division, even our kids division – uh, they're all part of something bigger, and usually it's because of a business or an opportunity or nonprofit or something that's driving that author to create the product to change the world in some aspect or another. Uh, but our typical business author is an entrepreneur. Uh, they may have a desk job, you know, as like I did. I, I had a W two desk job working at a bank back in the '90s, but I was, you know, missioned. I, I, my overall success to deeply dependent on how hard I worked. <laughs> um, so that's our typical author. It's somebody who's very passionate about a topic. Uh, they've got some great content they can share. They know something, a secret or, or, or a tactic or something that somebody else could use to benefit themselves to grow their you know, their business. They're, they love giving back, and they're very passionate. I think I already mentioned that, but very passionate about their work. Um, they're not necessarily authors, per se. They may have a book or be compelled to write a book, but they wouldn't necessarily find themselves or label themselves as an author initially, uh, but they're just very passionate about their topic. Uh, and then they get compelled to or learn about how to leverage that, you know, that knowledge in the form of a book to grow their business. So 
you know, my perfect author or a typical Morgan James business author, it was just like me when I was a banker. You know, I had something, I was doing, some, I was working something very unique. I was creating value and relationships and, and uh, trying to add value and trying to help others meet their needs and ended up writing a book that uh, transformed my life. And so that's the exact same thing that, you know, that we publish typically. Um, it doesn't have to be the best, most uh, literary renowned work of art. It just needs to be their best work in the book. Um, most of our books are, are short. They're, they're short enough to, to compel the reader that they're paying attention to the right person, uh, but very still affordable. So even five years ago when most publishers and authors are bringing out 300-page hardcover books, that's changed. Now bookstore buyers say we consumers are looking for shorter, more affordable, easier to skim books now more than ever. Uh, so we're looking at authors now who are doing 40 to 60,000 words, a good 180 to 220 page books and doing primarily paperback for the bookstore market because uh, that's what the consumers are asking for. Uh, so we're working with authors trying to help them figure out ways to leverage those things or the authors are looking for us because they want to figure out ways to leverage those things as well. Um, and then our process of discovery is pretty fun. We've got a handful of acquiring editors that go out there to, you know, business conferences, and they meet great people who are passionate about their topic, and we try to fall in love with them. And then uh, we have a five-person publication board internally that helps us figure out which books can we really get excited about, which authors can we fall in love with and get and catch their passion and their enthusiasm, because that's it's needed. You know, an author could have the best book in the world, but if they're not passionate, enthusiastic. And um, you know, motivated to to hustle with the book, it it's really hard to get a sales rep to be passionate, and enthusiastic about it because it's got to be contagious. And then you know, same thing, the sales rep has got to get the bookstore buyers, you know, passionate and enthusiastic about their their products. So it's got to fall all the way down, trickle all the way down from the author. Um, and then um, you know, for us, 80% of our decision is the author. You know, who are they? What are they doing? Why are they doing it? Uh, and will will the reader benefit from it? And then are they coachable? Are they willing to hustle in a good way and willing to follow the best practices of other authors that have gone before them? <laughs> are there entrepreneurs as well? You know, uh, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, we as a publisher are looking for authors that are willing to spend money <laughs> or you know buy advertising because those things don't work long term. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm laughing at the at the word coachable. I, I was just talking to a um, to an editor at a at a publisher a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about her her problem children, and they are authors <laughs> who are in, in transit, and authors who um, who are unwilling to because uh, you know whenever you're working with with a publisher, I mean I mean you know this better better than than I, David. It's a it's a partnership, and in any partnership, there's give and take, there's compromise. And you know the author brings that that passion and the knowledge and brings so much to the table, but the publisher brings a wealth of information, um, a wealth of of experience, and um, also usually has a has a pulse on uh, on what's actually going on in, in the market. So it's 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 a give and, and take. And I think uh, whenever you use the word coachable, I think you're saying that uh, you gotta you, that you're looking for authors who understand. That it's um, it's a collaboration, it's a partnership. It really is. Um, you know, for us, we, you know, we've been blessed with 28 New York Times bestsellers, um, most of which in the wow. last five years, which is just amazing. Most publishers our size never get one. Yeah, Thank that's you so much. amazing. Um, but we learned a lot from those authors that are breaking those boundaries, and we we try to share those down to the rest of our authors. And when we get talking to an author who who doesn't seem to understand that uh, you just 
they're building blocks. You do this, this, and this, and you'll gain this <laughs> eventually, you know? Uh, so it's very frustrating. Um, and part of the, the weeding out process for us, if we come across an author that doesn't seem to be coachable, we'll just be spinning our wheels and we may not recoup our investment in the process. But an author that's willing to, to learn what he doesn't, doesn't already know and willing to, to share that passion and that enthusiasm to, enthusiasm to their audience, it can make a big difference. Absolutely. <laughs> and just like I mentioned earlier, it's um, you know, bringing the author um, to the understanding that it's a process, just like giving birth. Um, the process is, as I mentioned earlier, sharing the process with your fans, leveraging your audience or building your audience as you're going down this path to publishing. Granted, it, it only takes a, a publisher 90 days or less to print the book, you know, or, or, or we, we, go, we usually go from, you know, finished manuscript to book in hands in about 90 days. Uh, it takes another, you know, 10 months to get into bookstores typically. Uh, but during that time, the author's can still leverage the fact that they've got the book coming out. And a lot of our authors will use that book for, for their speaking or off of their website and, and share, you know, advanced reader copies of the book or special pre-publication copies of the book, making it special uh, and just kind of continuing to build the fact that they're the authority behind the book so that when it comes time to launch the book, they're still they're out there ready and willing. One of the fun things that we get to do is uh, all my fun times I've had playing in the guerrilla marketing space you know, I discovered Jay when I was on my search of figuring out what could I do to stay on top. And I discovered Gorilla Marketing when it was in its third edition. And I ended up reading the book and realized I was a gorilla and just didn't know it. And I reached out to Jay uh, because he encouraged me to do so in his book, which is another thing we all should do as authors. And I uh, ended up hiring Jay as a coach. And he coached me on the things that I should do and the things that I shouldn't do. And I, if I hadn't followed those instructions, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. <laughs> Of course, I was paying them a lot of money back then, too, but uh, we became fast friends. It's all about uh, surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you so you can take your, your, uh, uh, your business further, but also, you know, learn something or two. <laughs> yeah, and that's um, – I mean, I think that's one of the, the things that I love about being, a, about being a, an entrepreneur is, is that the, the challenge – your the challenges arise naturally and in in trying to adapt to those challenges and trying to conquer those challenges it forces you to get out of your comfort zone it forces you yeah. to reach out to uh to other people to other sources and to uh to to grow right to to grow so that you have the the skill set and the mindset to um to confront the 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 challenge and the problems that um that are before you i mean that's one of the reasons that I started reading business books in, in the first place. And then that's one of the reasons that I, I still love seeing great business books come out into the world because they, if done right, they, they matter. They help people. They, they help. Absolutely. I mean, you doubled your, doubled your income, but, but almost more importantly than that, or maybe more importantly than that, changed the course of your, of your life. You know, I mean, yeah. you went from being a, a mortgage banker to now being a, a publisher reading the, the NASDAQ bill. I mean, I don't know if you'd have been reading the NASDAQ bill if you'd have stayed a <laughs> mortgage lender. No, yeah. I definitely and, and it's because <laughs> Yeah, and it's because you came across a great business book written by a great business author. You learned a lot, and, uh, you know, you made decisions, and it changed the forever changed your, your destiny. And then and then the fate of uh, of your children, you know, it's it's you're a different person now, so you're a different father, and that different father is going to advise and be able to to give his children different 
insights and, and advice than you would have if you'd have been on, on another path. That's right. Absolutely. So, so I, I would recommend a, to you. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just say I, was, I would recommend definitely that all of your audience, if they haven't already done so, um, shame on them if they haven't. But if they're just discovering this Yahoo, that they should go get a copy of Guerrilla Marketing and, and read it. Um, it's in its fourth edition now, published by Houghton Mifflin. Uh, yes, the same publisher that published uh, Mark Twain, in case you wondered. <laughs> um, but uh, in fact, I think it might still only be the only business book they ever published was uh, Guerrilla Marketing. But uh, it's it's sold well over 21 million copies now, 65 million copies when you look at all the different versions of Guerrilla Marketing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the fourth edition is actually dedicated to me. <laughs> And then really? from a, um, I know, oh, right? Wow, congratulations. That's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, like I said, he and I became dear friends. Uh, he was on our advisory board from the day we started to the day he passed away. <laughs> we were good friends. Um, but I also recommend a book called Guerrilla Marketing for Writers, uh, which any of us could yeah. use from a business book perspective. Yeah. I'm blessed to be a co-author of that book with Jay and, and uh, Rick Fishman and Michael Larson. Are you serious? I've got that. Where is that? Oh, my um, my assistant just made all of my bookshelves pretty, and now I can't find anything. <laughs> but uh, I completely missed that, or I didn't put the uh, the pieces together. I've I've got the book. I didn't realize you were one of the the co-authors. Small world. It really is. It's such a fun book too, because it first came out in two thousand, three years before I published before we started the publishing house. Um, and I used it as, as my go-to book in my marketing, my book. And then when the authors decided, when Jay and, and the other authors decided to do a second edition, um, they not only brought it to Morgan James to publish, they asked if I would go on as a co-author. And hopefully I shared some some wisdom. So the second edition came out in 2010 and is still selling phenomenally. Now, it, it's about time for another update. But, oh, my gosh, it's so much. It's, it's such a good book, <laughs> even before I got involved with it. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Here it is. Yeah, there you are, David L. Hancock. That's right. Dog. <laughs> That's cool. Um, let's see. So I, I took us, uh, I took us down the the rabbit hole, uh, David. We were talking about the the typical journey of your of your your author. So uh, we you were in the in the war room. Y'all are talking about which which authors are, are coachable and, and how to to pick and so uh so then what what happens next <laughs> so we do about 120 non-fiction books a year not 120 business books a year and um they're each hand selected they're done on purpose and we want to work with you know authors that are like i said passionate enthusiastic have got something really good to say but our process is kind of unique definitely unique in publishing uh, but those of you who are guerrilla marketers at, at, at heart you'll appreciate this so for every book that we end up accepting the first thing that we do and I think this is part of the reason why we've been so successful. But the first thing we do is we create what we call is this entrepreneurial vision mastermind group. And in this mastermind group, it's just really the two teams coming together for the benefit of the book, of course, and the and the and the audience who reads it and the author who writes it. Um, the author's team may just be them. It could be them, and it could be their editor, it could be their agent, or their publicist, or their you know business partner, or spouse, neighbor's dog, whoever's important to them is going to be important to us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to judge them, you know, but whoever's important to them is going to be important to us. And on our team, we've got a guerrilla marketing expert, a branding expert, a PR expert, and a design expert, whatever I can bring to the table, and together we flesh out all the details. Obviously, 
the reason why we're writing the book and what we want the author, excuse me, what we want the reader to do with it once they start reading it. That's important. But we also flesh out things like, do we have the right title? Is it is it the best one? Can it can it be better? And do we have the right subtitle? Is it enough to get them to go to the back cover? Because that's really the whole purpose of the subtitle is to share the premise or the promise of the book. Right. It could be as long as necessary, but as short as possible. But ultimately, just it, it's designed just to catch that that attention to get them to read more. <laughs> you know, we fleshed out those things. Is it great? You know, when should it come out? Um, what time of the year? You know, what season? Uh, what price should it be at? Obviously. Obviously, you can't charge what it's worth, <laughs> but you can certainly get close to uh, you know maximizing the profit for that particular genre. But uh, we talk about the price, we talk about the size and the format, and, you know what it should smell like and look like and feel like. All those details we make together, whereas most publishers make those decisions without the author or including the author very in a very little aspect of it. And remember that most yeah. publishers buy buy the intellectual property and take over and do with it as they please or as they see fit. The way that we work yeah, with the authors I'm, is the authors still hold their intellectual property, and we'd make decisions together. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of sitting over here with uh, with with my mouth open a little bit because I've I've never heard of of that, certainly not witnessed that level of of collaboration, and to have a design expert and a branding and to, uh, publishers have those things, but to have but to bring to to one to have a dedicated person in, for each of those roles. And then to bring the the author's team in to make those to, together those decisions together that's um that is a level of of cooperation that I've not heard of that's that's quite remarkable. It was what I expected when I first published my book, but it's definitely not what I got <laughs> no. so I think it makes sense. <laughs> no, I mean I, I understood I was an unknown first time author, but still you know. <laughs> Uh, and you know, once the book is done, that mastermind graduates to a marketing mastermind, uh, and it's like, oh crud, what do we do now? <laughs> so we talk about the things that the authors could do, should do, and, and funny, it's um, we actually spend just as much time on the things that the authors shouldn't do because you could waste a lot yeah. of time and money um, oh, yeah. on doing stuff that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, and then we flesh out, you know, really for the life of the book, how can we continue to to be relevant? How can we continue to make this book, you know? You know, work in that space and how the authors can leverage it and and you know that that now way it's very very important. <laughs> David, can you then, can you talk a little bit? Oh, go ahead. You're not finished. Sorry. I'll keep on talking until you tell me to stop. <laughs> so I was just saying <laughs> until until the book is no longer relevant or we're dead, either one, whichever comes first. <laughs> whichever comes first. Can you talk about the? Um, so I mean, obviously, y'all approach publishing different than a than a typical publisher. So one of the things um, I, I know that one of the the ways that you have um, promoted your company is uh, to call it the, the entrepreneurial publisher. I think your um, your current uh, tagline is the the future of publishing. So talk about your the the, the business model and, and and not giving up or not taking intellectual property. I mean that's. Uh, that just turns the whole publishing industry on on its head. But talk about how uh, what Morgan James does is different than traditional publishing, as well as different than um, straight up self publishing. Sure. Um, so great great notice there. Um, and, and you're right. From our perspective, nobody knows this stuff better than you as an author. You're the authority in the space, not us. Uh, so we don't buy or take over the intellectual property of the authors. And for you know, for most cases, the, the the bigger houses with a lot of their authors, that that's not a problem. They they can own the intellectual property and they can do with it what they want. 
but for most entrepreneurs, it's not okay. You know, most entrepreneurs, that's a, that's their livelihood. That's, that's not only the book, but it's also their, their secret sauce to what makes them successful as an entrepreneur or me as a banker. Um, it was the stuff that, um, you know, that really helps us create other products and other, uh, services or other, you know, speaking gigs or anything, you know, that, that we entrepreneurs take and, and create because of that content. I found out really, really quickly that I was limited to what I could do with my content because I sold it to the publisher <laughs> and I had no longer yeah. the rights to do so. It was uh, and no longer your content, what was formerly no your long, content. That's right. And I've got friends and I've experienced this, but I've got friends in the publishing space published by big names who wanted to do conferences and wanted to do other things around their book and um, realized that they couldn't or they had to revenue share with them or they just ran into roadblocks of just the publisher getting in, getting in the way. And I always said, you know, there's got to be a place out there, someplace that just will stay out of my way, you know, <laughs> as an entrepreneur. But there wasn't. Uh, and I've even got friends who um, had multi-million dollar advances from one of the top five publishers and the publishers just arguing over the content and trying to get in the way of the content. One of my friends actually gave the multi-million dollar advance back and got out of his contract because it was too restrictive. They were getting in too much, too much way. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 crazy. So I've always saw the value of of the authors being in control <laughs> about artistic integrity. I mean, he he literally could put a price tag on his book's integrity. That's right. Wow. <laughs> Not everybody has that, but but you're right. Yeah. So for us, no, very, I'd, have, very, I'd have spent the money I could have given it back. <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing he was killing it on his other, other programs that he still had had some money left over. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's important to us. Um, and then the other ways that we work with the authors is just like them holding the intellectual property and being in control of the content. Um, we make the decisions together. And so one of the things that I also didn't like about one of my, well, my my first and really my second publisher, uh, I won't name names, but um, <laughs> I had, um, see, my first book, the publisher added three chapters to it, and I didn't even know it was there until I got my copies in the mail. And I didn't like the book at all because I had no input in the cover. It was just, oh, so it was, it was it, the book worked. Don't get me wrong. It was a good book. But I had no control over the book. And they, I should, know, have, right? they I, should have at least consulted with you, right? Three whole chapters without your input or even your knowledge. doesn't yeah, matter. The they were weren't good. yours. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but I also had no input in the cover and no input in the final title or subtitle. And neither one of them, title or subtitle, did, I don't even think the subtitle did, had nothing to do with, had no words of banking or mortgage or it, it didn't have it in there. You had to read the description to find out, oh, this is a banking book. Or look at the description or the category of the back of the book to realize this was a book on yeah. marketing your banking business. It was ridiculous. And then on my yeah. second book, uh, it was a co-authored book with uh, with Jay Levinson called Guerrilla Marketing for Mortgage Brokers. We fought with the publisher on using the word internet because <laughs> it was too much of a fad. It wasn't going to be around. And they told us this via email, which <laughs> you know came to us over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're gonna we're this email thing, but this look the next note we send you, it's gonna be back on our fax machine, okay? Because this internet thing's gonna be going. So make sure yeah, make sure you have the right fax number. <laughs> That's right. Wow. I would have uh, I wouldn't have laughed so hard if it did come over via fax, but it was an email. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's uh, why we do what we do. We we make all the decisions together because. You know, I want the authors to be vested in this process. We want them to be proud of it, 
and go out there and market themselves as that authority and, and display the book and, and you know sell it because <laughs> that's where we make our money. Uh, but it's hard to do it when so, trying to sell something that you don't like. <laughs> so Morgan James um, is still uh, it's still royalty a royalty based uh, model um, like traditional publishing, um, but uh, but the intellectual property remains with the the, the author. Is that right? It is, and the good news is, even though we're unconventional in how we do what we do, um, and what we've done is we've tried to blend the best of what we loved about traditional publishing, credibility, mm -hmm. distribution, exclusivity, right. you know, reach, uh, education, but then also blend what the things we loved about the self-publishing side, author owning it, being involved in the process, speed to market, things along those lines. You know, we tried to blend the best of both worlds. Well, the good news now, 15 years later, uh, well, it happened a long time ago, but 15 years later, you know, the industry sees us as a typical traditional New York house. And that's wonderful, but also potentially terrifying because <laughs> we don't want to be a typical traditional New York house. Uh, but um, the good news is we do have that full bookstore distribution, which is important. Uh, we've had timeless, uh, countless, excuse me, countless stories where uh, some of our authors have got their biggest client who just happened to pick up the book at the airport Hudson store or at the Barnes & Noble in Timbuktu, North Carolina, that they would have never met or come across if it hadn't been in the bookstore somewhere, you know. Um, but we also have that exclusivity. We only do a handful of these books a year. And then again, we've had our fair share of successes with the New York Times hits. We even pay small advances to our authors. I don't know if you knew that. We pay a $100 advance. Um, for us, it's political. Did you get one? Yes. Because if you say anything other than yes, people start to look down upon you. <laughs> and then from a publishing perspective, if we don't pay advances or certain things we can and can't do in the space, on, that depends on whether we did or didn't pay in advance. It's kind of funny, but we'd pay it even though we don't buy anything with it. Um, we make up for the little tiny advance by paying larger royalties than most publishers. So, for instance, if you went to Entrepreneur Press with your your business startup book, you know you could get you know maybe seven to twelve percent. Uh, we pay twenty to thirty percent to to our authors. Um, but we also don't have any fees. Uh, there's no services that we offer or sell. There's no upsells when somebody gets a contract with us. There's no packages that we offer. We make money by right. selling books. <laughs> uh, there are, okay, think... however, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say there are three things that we do ask of our authors um, should their book get accepted, and and I think they all make sense because it's been working for us. One of them does have a little entrepreneurial skin in the game, um, but if they're thinking big picture, they're they're definitely appreciating it. Um, the first thing we want of our authors or ask of our authors is ultimately we want them to bring to us what they consider to be a fully edited proofread manuscript that if the world read it and it had their name on it, they'd be proud of it because <laughs> it's their baby, their content. We don't want to get in the way. Now, we do, of course, go through it one more time to make sure that we don't look stupid, but we're not going to make any deletions or additions. We're not going to change the manuscript. That's the, that's the author's job, but we're going to try to make sure that we all look as good as possible. And then the second thing that we ask of our authors is really that, that most important thing to us is we really want them to be coachable. We want to try to discover or feel that they're willing to get out there and hustle and, and, and be coachable and be fun to work with and be passionate and enthusiastic about their topic. And then the last thing that we may ask of them is we may ask them to commit to buying a small number of books for their own platform. And that's something that um, tends to be a little unconventional, although a lot of the big publishers do it, but in larger numbers. But we may ask an author to commit to buying a certain number of books for the next 50 years or whatever, however long it takes. The most that we would ask an author to buy is like 2,500 copies. Um, but we don't ask them to buy them oh, at retail yeah. or discount off retail. Right. I mean, they'll hopefully, hopefully they'll sell that in their first few speaking gigs. <laughs> 
Um, we say, hey, just give us a couple dollars over the print cost and we're happy campers. <laughs> so pretty simple. And then, you know, that commitment is worth to us more than anything. And they've got the life of the agreement to fulfill that commitment um, for however long that might be. And they can even fire us at any time. If we're not serving their needs or if we're ever getting in the way, we want to get out of the way. And that is very unconventional. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been working. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of blown away, David. I mean, you know what? We've we've been following each other, and, and uh, I love you know all the stuff that that you post. And but I I, oh, I didn't. I've never had the chance to have this conversation to understand um, quite how Morgan James Publishing model works. Um, and and for for everybody listening, this is fundamentally different than uh, than a, than self-publishing services which is where companies, they don't make money off of you selling um, copies of your book. They make money from you being uh, their customer, from you paying them to do distribution, you paying them to create the cover, you paying them to promote your book. That's different than, uh, than a traditional publishing model, which is where if you don't make money, the publisher doesn't make money. And that's really, that's really the, the big divide, right? Who makes money? How? I mean, follow the money. That's the old adage. Um, <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm kind of blown away, David. This is like y'all have really blended the best of both worlds. Appreciate you saying that. That's exactly what we set out to do. Uh, I had a good coach. Jay helped me write the, you know, basically the core foundation of what we're doing as a entrepreneurial publisher. Um, and it's just been so much fun. Well, David, I—I uh, I mean, you've got a, a company to run and, and authors to to coach. I don't want to take up much more of your time. We're coming to uh, to the end of the time that you so graciously agreed to give me. Um, if oh, people you. want to learn more about Morgan uh, Publishing, if they want to talk about uh, submission and and those kinds of of things, what's the the best way to to reach you? Um, really, we're very discoverable online. Go to morganjamespublishing.com. I'm also on Twitter as uh, David Hancock or Morgan James Pub. And they're also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Facebook. But as far as submitting, we do have a great submission process online. It's going to make you work a little bit. We're going to ask and answer some great questions. Uh, but because of our connection, um, never hesitate just to you know, throw me an email and say, hey, I met you on the podcast. I'd love just to get your feedback. I'm, I am more than happy to accept those emails and um, encourage you in the best way that I can. No matter if it's for if it's right for us or not, I'm happy to do that. That's gracious of you, David. Absolutely. My email is just simply David at MorganJamesPublishing.com, and I do do all my own emails, <clears throat> but definitely mention how you discovered me because it'll be one of the first questions I ask, <laughs> so I can just kind of you know make sure that uh, you know, I'm serving everybody right. But uh, I'll be honored to answer questions and encourage you as necessary. Again, David, thank you so much for taking the, the time to share your experience, share the, the insights, and uh, and uh, share the, the, the education on um, publishing options and, and what it's like to work with Morgan James and what authors need to be doing no matter uh, who or how they're, they're publishing. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. It's been great to get to know you a little bit better, and I appreciate your audience for listening. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.